Hello and welcome back to the Odds Against podcast. And this week is a very special week as the star of the turf, the Queen herself, Enabler, is back. And back for one of her main targets, the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Stakes. To discuss all things Enable, I'm joined by James Glover and Thomas Pearson. How are you both, gents? Good, thank you. Looking forward yeah, very to good. Uh, a very competitive weekend of action. Especially at York. Especially at York. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am enjoying these York weekends at the moment. It's, yeah. very, very, it's very good for the mind and soul. It's very good for the bank balance as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly. And Tom, we've got to congratulate you and your big winner last weekend in the Group 3. Thank you very well, much. It's not very course. often I'll be that confident on one at that price. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to lap it up while I still can. I think that was fair enough. <laughs> okay, so there really is only one place to start off this week, and that is with the feature race of the weekend, the 335 at Ascot, the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Quipco Stakes. Group 1 over 12 furlongs. And James, we'll start with you today. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you to see an able back, and what are your thoughts on the race? Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a 10. I've kind of, I've kind of pictured this race in my head. Right, and I think it's going to go a bit like this. So William Buick is going to kick for home on Sovereign just around the turn. Enable's going to be in his slipstream. Japan looms alongside the Queen, but Enable kicks clear a furlong and a half out. Tom Pearson sat there on the exchanges in his pants, and he starts waving his fanboy Enable flag as she powers clear and hits 101 on the machine. Enable, (laughs) Enable. It's just going to be Enable, isn't it? (laughs) I, th- I think that's a sight uh, that nobody wanted in their mind. <laughs> but you've that, got, have you got your flag still, your enable flag? I don't think I have, <laughs> unfortunately. So you've really... got uh, chucked out in the house move. Oh, you I've mean still got was... a Stradivarius one, though. No. <laughs> so there isn't going to be a tasteful nude with the flag just covering the, uh, <laughs> the groin air. <laughs> thankfully Only not. a small flag. Thankfully not. <laughs> oh, well. On, on, on that note, I'm going to move on to to myself to discuss Enable. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be absolutely good if Enable doesn't win. I think it will single-handedly ruin my entire weekend. She's got an official rating of 128, which may take into account her fillies and merits allowance would mean if she ran to her, her rating, one of the Colts is going to have to run to a mark of 131 to, uh, 131 to beat her. And I just I just can't see that happening at all. They're all going to have to improve a, a mile. Um and it's, it's funny because at the O'Brien Battalion, the one that I, I did like most anti-post was Sovereign, but given there's only four runners now, um, I would not be advising a bet. And I'm just going to sit there and hope beyond all hopes that Enable can make history and be and win the King George for a third time. Tom, can you bear to live in a world where Enable gets beat? Do you see it happening at all? Uh, I, I could better uh, live in a world where she gets beat because it's not like she's an unbeaten filly carrying the aura anymore. Um, and particularly as I was an absolute scumbag last night while uh, Bucky's were still two places, uh, I had a little bit of uh, Anthony Van Dyke each way. Now, the one thing that does concern me is the ground. I think he's very much going to be... as I think uh, you touched upon it in the Coronation Cup that Matt that he's just a miles better horse on better ground and he doesn't yeah. seem to get it anymore. He, he, um, needs, he needs proper quick ground as well, not just good ground. Yeah. So the Ascot have been watering during the week, so it's only uh, it's only good ground at the minute, but it's probably going to dry out a bit by Saturday. And uh, yeah, I'm just hopeful that the thunderstorms manage to uh, stay away till after the race. 
because I, I think that the way the race could pan out is that Sovereign could get enabled hard at work early and you just need to watch the derby back again. The faster they went, the more that Anthony Van Dyke just started to stay on. And yeah, I, I thought that he's about, I, I mean, he was 14s last night when I backed him each week. I wouldn't be back and winner only now. So um, I, I suppose apologies for the after timing <laughs> to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be that surprised if she got beat, if I'm being honest. Uh, the one thing that I do want to say about the race is that the race has come in for a lot of slack um, because of the fact that there's only four runners and three of them come from uh, the Edna O'Brien Coolmore team. And I, th- there seems to be a lot of kind of abuse that's been directed at Coolmore for it. And I think that that's just completely the opposite way that people should be looking at it that there aren't really that many good kind of middle-distance Colts fillies, particularly with the way that the uh, fixture list has worked out for the three-year-olds as well. So realistically, I, I think this is kind of a good field anyway. You've got the Derby winner, the Irish Derby winner, a Judmont and Grand Prix de saint Clou, and then obviously Enable. As far as four runners go, that, that's quite a good field. But I think if you're looking to blame somebody, you, you don't really want to be blaming Coolmore because they're about the only people at the minute that seem to want to breed middle-distance horses. Well, maybe not the only, that's maybe been a bit unfair, but there aren't that many people. You just look at the fact that you've got horses like Kessar, who won a Group 2 at 2, Raja Singh, who won the uh, Coventry Stakes and then did absolutely nothing after that, uh, Ardad, who was a flying child as winner and a Windsor Castle winner. The fact that they're going to stud for just a couple of thousand less than, say, Crystal Ocean, who was one of the best horses in the world, or was the best horse in the world on official ratings. I think, to me, you've got to kind of, if you're looking to blame somebody for the fact this is only four runners, uh, there needs to be some kind of blame laid at the feet of the breeders and the the need for cheap speed. I think it's that that's where the blame is. In fact, like I said, the fact that Crystal Ocean is a national hunt stallion at 2,000 more than a shite group two i know it's coventry when i say raja singh but showed absolutely nothing after that i think that's where the blame is so uh, yeah that's that's my rant over about it and i completely agree <laughs> it's, it's one of my massive bugbears of racing at the moment as well um one thing i don't quite i don't know whether this is the forum for it one thing i don't understand is because obviously crystal ocean has been shipped off as a national hunt stallion he's on the national hunt roster does that mean that People can't use him if they if they wanted to potentially use him as a flat stallion. Like, would that be, or, or is it just that he is targeted towards breeders for national hunt mares? That's what I was confused at. I'm not 100 percent sure. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I've I've seen a few people having a, a few goes at Coolmore as well. And like you say, like at the end of the day, for Coolmore, this could have been a literally a one or two runner race. The way yeah, it turned it out. It would have been Fanny Logan v. Enable, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you, at least they at least they do have, a, obviously, a lot of horses, but at least they are willing to run them against each other, which is often mm. overlooked, the fact that they are willing to compete with them, as opposed to they could very easily just choose one and leave the rest of them in the stables, <laughs> but they don't. Like, talking about racing horses against each other, what's happened to Logician? He had um, a really bad setback. Did he, almost, he almost died, didn't he, in the spring? Didn't yeah. They? Something like that. Yeah, I think they said he's going to be back in later in the autumn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're all we're all on team enable then for for win purposes. Tom, you're you're not as certain, but me me and James are very much 
He'll yeah. still have, he'll still have his flag out. <laughs> I hope so. I hope I hope Neil's in your flat to take to take uh, pictures as well. I'm on. Apparently, if I'm in my pants, you want to hope it's my flag that's out. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Yeah, moving on to the undercard at Ascot then. Uh, we start off with a two-year-old contest over seven furlongs. The 150, it's the listed Betfred TV Pat Edry Stakes, formerly known as the Winkfield Stakes, a race which has in the past been won by Lex of Toronado before going on to Group 1 Glory. And last year was won by Charlie Appleby with a son of Dubawi. He's got another one in here at the head of the market. But the one I actually like here is one of the outsiders, and that is a horse called Bowland Park. Um, he stepped up significantly on his debut effort last time at Chepstow, and that was over today's distance of seven furlongs, so he was very impressive in the final furlong. The front two pulled nicely clear of the third horse that day. And despite him being from a small stable, when you actually look at his pedigree, he's got a very nice pedigree. He's damn distinctive as a Group 3 winner over six furlongs as a two-year-old and also placed in Group 3s over six furlongs as a three-year-old. And he's side by New Bay, who was a very high-class horse and is really catching the eye as, a, as an exciting first-season side this year. Um, so I think it's only just due to the fact that he's with a small yard that he's such a big price. And uh, for me, I think he's got a great each-way chance. Um, Tom, do you think there could be a future star in this field? Uh, I'd be surprised if there was. It, it does look a good race, and I think if there is uh, going to be a future star, it's probably going to be Saika for uh, Frankie and John Gosden. But he's uh, he's not actually the one that I like. Uh, the one that I like is William. No, sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong race. Apologies. Uh, the one that I like is St. Lawrence. Uh, I thought it was a really good performance last time out behind uh, Master of the Seas. He travelled quite well. Um, maybe a little bit too well. Uh, he just didn't pick up as well as the winner. But I think the winner is a really nice horse. Uh, the form has been well represented as uh, Ventura Tormenta came out and won the pre-Robert Papan at the weekend. And uh, yeah, it would be St. Lawrence for me. I think the experience edge is just going to kind of play into his favour. Okay. And James, you were all over Tower Soul on the podcast for Epsom last time. You got that one right. Do you think he can repeat his impressive win here? I think he could do, but he's a little bit too short in the betting for me. At the prices, I actually came to a horse called Chindit uh, for Richard Hannon. He looked really impressive at Doncaster on debut. I liked how he travelled through the race and then with such ease, he picked up to pull clear of his rivals under hands and heels. I think he must be fairly well thought of at home as he only went off two to one favourite that day and there were some horses representing big yards in that race at Doncaster. He stuck out at the prices for me. He's, he's about 12 to 1. Could be one of those that drifts a bit on the day. I don't don't really know. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with how he ran at Doncaster by Wooten Bassett. I'd go for him at the prices. Chinned it. It's a point on Wooten Bassett that I think is worth mentioning is that I believe that this is his first crop since his fee was increased quite significantly. Um, he's done very well in France mainly um, so far as a stallion. And I think we'll probably start to see a few more of his progeny at the higher levels over here as well going forwards. So, yeah, that's a good, interesting couple of selections there. Moving on to the next race, and things don't come much more challenging than that of the Moe and Shandon International Stakes. Heritage handicap over seven furlongs and just the 20 runners to choose from. Tom, we'll start with you on this one. Unfortunately, no raising sand to defend his crown. 
And no, just, certainly not. And just for the record, me and you can confirm that the Moe and Chandon Champagne was a very fitting first place prize last <laughs> season. How do certainly you see this? Was. How do you see this year's renewal unfolding? Uh, believe it or not, Matt, I do not have a particular strong opinion on this race. Uh, there were two that I fancied uh, when I first did my research yesterday, and neither of them have been declared. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a struggle for me. They, they were the Borton and Vi- uh, Brian Epstein, and Brian Epstein's actually entered at York on Sunday, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't really have a huge opinion on the race. There's a couple of uh, horses that do have good course form at Ascot. Uh, Spanish City is one, but he's probably drawn the wrong side. Plus, he never wins anywhere. Uh, Chief of Chiefs, he won the Silver Walkingham. He's stepping back up to seven, which arguably could suit, but he's never really won off a mark this high. So, um, yeah, I think the one that I landed on uh, was Shalia. But again, (laughs) again, he's probably drawn the wrong side. That's the only concern. But I think think these uh, big field handicaps are going to suit him. And one thing that I do think is really going to suit him is the uh, straight course. I think he just... uh, He's crying out for a straight seven furlongs, maybe even a straight mile. And, um, yeah, he, he's a fair price, isn't he? They've booked Tom Marquand because uh, Danny Tullip stays at York. It's not exactly a bad jockey booking, is it? And, uh, yeah, he, he's run really well in kind of his last two starts, including over course and distance in the Buckingham Palace handicap. He, he wasn't kind of... He wasn't disgraced by any means when he was sixth at Haydock last time. And uh, the ground might just have been a bit too too soft for him, which seems a bit weird for a, a son of Dark Angel. But when he won his listed race, uh, when he was trained by Dermot Weld, that was on good ground. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the return to better ground should actually suit him a little bit more. And uh, if, if there isn't much of a track bias, I'd give him a chance at a big price. I think you've, you've literally took the words out of my mouth for my Chalet rationale. <laughs> and uh, by the by the screams in the background, <laughs> uh, James Glover, was uh, Chalet going to be potentially your selection here, James? Yes. Um, I started off with looking at the Buckingham Palace handicap and sort of worked from there. He ran a really good race that day. I think that race at Haydock that you mentioned, Tom, it was a, it was a horrible race. The ground had got really soft, and it, and you, I think you can just put a line through it. Was it over a mile as well? Really soft ground, so just stretched his stamina. He's down four pounds from the Buckingham Palace handicap, so I think he's got to be really competitive here. Um, is the pace all over the track? Possibly he's drawn three, but have you got the likes of Vale of Kent fairly low as well? Yeah, I think it's um, card shop. Or is Card Sharp high? I think Card Sharp might be high from what I remember. That's just from memory. Um, so from, think, from the draw, yeah, you've got sorry. Kaiser Soze in one, Vale of Kent two, Chalet three, Spanish City four, Caspan five, Colts there six, Haboob is another one that goes forward. He's in seven. So there's a couple couple there that, from the lower side that will go forward. Yeah. And he, yeah, I think Chalet won't mind if there's a drop of rain. I, I did like also Ebury for Martin Mead. Um, that's the one's not gone missed, not been missed in the market rather. Um, wouldn't wouldn't mind rain, um, but he's only seven to one. He won his on his side quite easily in the Buckingham Palace handicap, but the, the, there's a big price difference there, seven to one Ebury and twenty to one Chalier. Um If it if there was 
really heavy thunderstorms, and if it was turned into a bog, then cold stare for David uh, O'Malley. Uh, really, <laughs> he's, he's got excellent ground on heavy ground, but it, it really does need to be heavy ground. Um, and then I also couldn't rule out my nap from uh, the Bunbury Cup, Muta Marsic. Um, he's got Dane O'Neill back on board. There was, must have been something amiss for that effort in the Bunbury Cup. But the price is Shalir. Uh, couldn't rule out Colster if it's a bog. Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of siding with similar thoughts to you guys. Usually this type of handicap, I'd end up having like f- five or six each way at big prices and hoping a couple of them would hit the frame. But there's actually only really a couple that I'm, I'm quite strongly drawn to. Like you guys, the, the argument for Shalir, in my opinion, is, is very strong based on his Ascot run. You can rule out last time. And like you say, he's down in the weights and 16 to 1 looks a fair price. Just to touch on a couple at the head of the market, Blue Mist, he was obviously very unlucky at Royal Ascot. He ended up finishing on the bridle behind a wall of horses. That was over six furlongs. And whilst he has shown he stays seven furlongs, I'm not actually, sh- I for one, I'm not particularly wanting to get stuck into him at short prices. I do think six furlongs, the way he travelled last time, will prove his ideal. And he has been beaten on his last seven starts and handicaps, all off a similar mark. Um, so therefore, at nine to two, I think I'd rather be against him and of the ones at the head of the market, I actually think Ebury's got a very strong chance from a win perspective. If you watch the race at Royal Ascot, he was on the wrong side. He won his side very comfortably. He wasn't beaten that far. He's versatile ground-wise. He stays a bit further. You'd imagine that she Murphy will be riding a bit uh, carefully. He'll, he'll come late on. He should have a decent, a better draw this time. And I think at 7-1, to one, he's probably a decent win price. And... Yeah, I like Chief for Chiefs, but he's a bit shorter than I expected him to be, about 12 to 1. And Colts there, if it does come up soft, I agree. He ran very well over course and distance in October in the Challenge Cup. Um, he's lowering the weights today in that. And you can put a line for his run at Muscle last time because six furlongs on quicker ground, a track like Muscle, but just wasn't going to suit at all. So uh, if it comes up very soft, he'd also be on my radar. Supposedly, he said 16 to 1, Shalir. Supposedly, according to Racing Post, Skybet are 26 places. Oh, really? Well, that yeah. does sound uh, very sexy. Whoa. I'll have to be having a bit of that. I'm not going to lie. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the final race we're going to preview at Ascot is the Betfred Nifty 50 handicap over eight furlongs for three olds at three o'clock. Um, unfortunately, this race has cut up quite a bit since the early entries. Um, James, you had a sl- fairly strong selection there. Have you got anything here that you, you strongly fancy? I like Johan, trained by the man who's in great form, William Haggis. And was so close with Lady G last weekend. Um, Johan progressed, I thought he progressed really nicely towards the end of last season and was deemed good enough to have a grow, go in a Group 3 that was won by Military March, which he probably just found a bit too tough. He came back this season, uh, was really impressive. You know, I thought at Newbury, the handicap has actually been quite harsh there, put him up eight pounds for that, but I'd be confident he could go on and improve from that a bit more again. Bit of rain, there was a bit of rain actually on Newbury, Newbury that day, even though it says officially it was good ground. I think it'd probably be a bit better with giving the ground. So if there's a bit of rain, Ascot on Saturday, that'll be absolutely fine. Only thing is he's seven to two now. <laughs> It's the only off-putting thing, but Johan for me. Okay. The the one I like here is Evening Sun for Roger Charlton and Ryan Moore. 
His two off form looks to have worked out really well now. He was behind the likes of Cherokee Trail and Hakum on debut. Obviously, one was a winner and one ran really well at Royal Ascot. Um, before he was second on his second start to the well, very well thought of King Leonidas. He, he couldn't have won any, any easier in, in another Newmarket novice race on his comeback run. The step up to eight furlongs here should suit with there being plenty of stamina on the dam side. And uh, Roger Charlton's horses do tend to progress quite nicely. And I would have, I would personally have thought he'd actually be a fair bit shorter in the market. I thought six to one was fair. I thought he might have been more a seven to two, four to one shot. So he'd be my selection. Tom, what about yourself? Anything in this uh, three-year-old handicap for you? Uh, yeah, there's one that I actually quite strongly fancy, and that's Great Ambassador. No surprise, look at me tipping up a Rafe Beckett horse. Seems to be a <laughs> weekly occurrence, doesn't it? But um, We need to give yeah. you a new flag. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might well do, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that he's still well handicapped. I, I really rate that Britannia form. I think uh, lots of them are going to come out really well from it. I know Finest Sound got beat, but he's about the only one who's let the form down so far. Uh, enemy ran really well the other day and only just uh, failed to get up on the line up to 10 furlongs. Overright has uh, won at Windsor since. A Charsi uh, uh, won at Sandown since. Great Ambassador actually split Overright and Ashasi. He's still off the same mark. Um, is I think his uh, two-year-old form works out really well as well. Um, he, if you ignore the Doncaster sales race, um, but if you look at his uh, two starts before that, uh, particularly uh, Goodwood, where he's only just beaten by uh, Persuasion, who's a nice horse, at Salisbury the time before that, he was uh, chinned late on by Piledriver at a massive price. Um, yeah, I think all of his form stacks up quite well. He probably would have finished a little bit closer in the Britannia if he didn't get snatched up, maybe about a furlong out. He wouldn't have won, because obviously the winner was long gone but he might finish a little bit closer maybe improve to kind of sixth or fifth um i think the the ground is going to be quite an issue i think a lot is going to depend on when these thunderstorms come but um i'm banking on them not coming early enough to turn the ground i think you're probably going to be looking at just good ground with kind of that little bit of juice in he's by exceed and excel um his best two-year-old form was on admittedly it was good to firm ground but he ran really well in the Britannia on ground that's clearly going to be softer than ideal by Exceed and Excel. And uh, you can get seven to one about him. Uh, he'd be the one for me. I think that's a great price. Okay, so again, a selection split there, which is good good for us. I, I actually, I agree with you on Great Investor. He, he, if I was to have a second choice in the race, he would 100% be the second one I'd go for based on the Ascot race. So you probably shamed me having, You've tempted me <laughs> into having a second choice there. <laughs> Right, so we're going to move on to York now, to the back to the Navesmire. And we start off with their feature race, the Group 2 Skybet York Stakes at 2.40 over the extended 10 furlongs, where El Arkham bids to go for back-to-back victories in the race, something that wasn't achieved in the last decade of the race. Um, El Arkham, he does have the strong York form. He didn't seem to stay 12 furlongs last time behind Fanny Logan in the Hardwick Stakes at Royal Ascot. Um, and obviously before that, he was just behind the future Prince of Wales winner, Lord North. But the one I'm actually going to take him on with here is Telecaster. Um, he's the one I'm most excited about in this contest. He was just behind Lord North and the Larkham on his comeback run. He then went over to France and he stepped up nicely on that to win a Group 3 next time. He was a course and distance winner in the Dante last year before his form kind of tailed off after the derby. But I think he's still a very exciting prospect for this year. 
And hopefully, I think he could be the best of these in the long term. And I would like to see him win here. Tom, what's your take on the uh, on the on the feature race here at York? Uh, I think the race. This is going to sound weird, particularly what I followed up with. I think the race uh, entirely revolves around one horse and whether he shows up, and that is Elarcom. I think if he shows up in the same form as he did last year, he's going to be so difficult to beat. But at 9-4, to four, do you really want to be taking that chance? Because he isn't exactly the most consistent, is he? So I think it's probably going to pay to look elsewhere. Um, the one that I'm interested in is uh, my old friend, Lord Glitters. Uh, now, it's very easy to say that he doesn't stay 10 furlongs, uh, but he's only actually tried it once since he's been trained by David O'Mara, and that was in the Judmont. And I think that was actually quite a good run. Now, I know he's obviously got the form to reverse... Uh, he's, sorry, he's got to reverse the form with LR Cam and uh, King of Comedy there. But I, th- I think he's capable, particularly when you look at the weather. I think York's going to be a bit kind of soft. It, there's, I'd be confident that there's going to be some soft in the going description, put it that way, whether it's full good, whether it's full soft ground or whether it's just good to soft in places. But, I mean, he's he has won on, he's won a group one on good to firm, so I don't think he's particularly reliant on it being that soft it just might kind of play into his favour a little bit more. But yeah, I thought that was a really good run in the uh, Judmont. You look at his two other attempts over further than a mile. He was third in Dubai, in the uh, Dubai turf, behind Armandai. Uh, he's also won the Strenzel at York over a mile. Uh, sorry, over nine furlongs as well, uh, beating Mustachery, who then went on to win the Lockinge the subsequent year. So I think, yeah, he always finishes off his races really well, doesn't he? And particularly at Ascot, where it's a stiff mile, maybe that flat track at York, 10 furlongs, I don't see any problem with him getting it. He's he's one of the few kind of Group 1 winners in the field. I said one of the few. There's only two, and no offence to Aspatar, but his was a German Group 1. So it's not really a proper Group 1, is it? Not that I'd say no to winning <laughs> Not that I'd say no to winning one. But, um, yeah, with, with with it looking like there's a bit of cut in the ground, with there being potentially a dodgy favourite, at a double-figure price, I wouldn't mind taking a win-only fly on Lord Glitters. James, you share uh, Tom's view there? Lord Glitters, David O'Mara at York? No, I think LR Khan will win and win it well. That run at Haydock, like you said, looks excellent now, just going down to Lord North. You forgive his effort last time at Ascot. Stiff mile and a half on soft ground, probably stretches his stamina a bit too far. He's back at York where he won the race with ease last year. Um, I think he'll win this and then go on to the Judmont again, but he's just short of that Group 1 standard. Um, so he'll win this, but he won't win the Judmont. Strong view there. That's what we like to hear. Okay, moving on to the one of the sporting races at York, the Skybet Club Handicap at 3.15, a Class 2.8 felon handicap. And Tom, you put all barn up for his recent York win in our Telegram group. Uh, what do you make of his chances today? Uh, today? That's what? Uh, this weekend, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I, I think he's got an excellent chance. So usually I try and look for a bit of value. Um, and this normally would be a race where I try and look, up, look for a bit of value against him. But sometimes you've just got to look at the obvious he is the obvious horse, and I think he's the obvious one for a reason. Um, if you look back at his run again, I think it's going to turn relatively soft. 
which will uh, suit him. Uh, he's he's technically been raised seven pounds, but because he was running three pounds wrong at York, he's only gone up four pounds. And uh, I think the way he won, he won really well. He he wasn't really asked any serious questions until about the furlong pole, and Harry Bentley didn't have to get proper serious with him to win. So I think a four pound rise probably underestimates him. And uh, if I'm being totally honest, I, I think with the exception of Greenside, I think this race is actually a lot weaker than it is last time. One thing that might concern me is uh, he might be a little bit better suited by a big field, really strong pace. But uh, you, you have got Justice in there. I think Alain Rigg has gone forward in the past as well. So I, I don't think it's going to be short on pace. And uh, I, th- I think he's just the class horse in the race. So, yeah, I, I know he's favourite or co-favourite with uh, Hartswood at the bottom. But, yeah, Orban would be the one for me to follow up his win. Shame there's no 20 to 1, 25 to 1 about him again, but yeah. James, you, you, you like uh, David Amara French import as well? <coughs> Do you agree with Tom here? Yeah, I'm just I'm just shocked at the prices. I thought Orban would be a, a really, really, really skinny favourite here. It was I thought it was so impressive last time. Um he's he's got loads more in hand than the handicappers put him up. I think he's possibly a group horse on on ground with a bit of ease in it and then I thought one to bear in mind would be Hartswood I thought it would be one of the sort of horses at a bigger price because of that run last time behind Black Caspian those that's that's going to be a good bit of form that race the three of them pulled well clear of the fourth so I thought Hartswood was going to be the sneaky each way choice but he's actually favorite um (laughs) which is a bit disappointing so um, so that's no but Orban I think will win and just to make it three for three, I, I also agree. I think Orban, I think the four-pound rise, the effective four-pound rise looks lenient. And I think this isn't quite as strong a race as the as the last one. I do. I actually think that he, from an each-way perspective, there is one I do like here, and that's El Wazir. I could actually see him being well-suited by a step back to eight furlongs. Um, he's a gorgeous son of Frankly. He's still quite likely raced for a five-year-old. Um, he was gelded over the winter. He's never actually ran over eight furlongs. Um, since his three-year-old days, he's been stuck at 10 furlongs. When he looked back to his two-year-old form, he ran in two novice races, both over seven furlongs. And he showed quite enough toe on both of them occasions, um, including behind the likes of Key Victory, Quasar and Massar on his second start. And that was, so that was obviously a really red-hot novice race. Um, I think he'll go forward. And I'm not sure how strong some of the other, some of the other front runners are in terms of their current form. I'm not sure how willing they are to sort of take him on at the head of the, of the race. Um, and his price varies between nine to two and 10 to one, but he's mainly around the eight to one mark. And I think, he, I think he's well, I, I'd be pretty disappointed if he's not in the first three anyway. I think he could be the main danger. So him each way for me. Um, so moving on then to the final race, we're going to preview which is the 10 furlong Phillies handicap uh, 205. Um, unfortunately, again, this is another race that's cut up quite badly from the, from the early entries. There's a lot of three-year-olds entered. There's now only a few. Um, and James, what's your take on the uh, the Phillies handicap? Yeah, a bit disappointed, really. My fancies are not left in the race. Um, the two that I kind of like, uh, Darwin 
was probably expected to win last time, but was just touched off by an unexposed one of Richard Farhees. I think they pulled well clear that day. So Didn't she back her at evens that day when she, she got beat. No, I think I backed her at thirteen to eight, and she went <laughs> okay. just shade of odds on. Um, <laughs> so I, I, while I think Darwin's probably she's ahead of a mark, I think this is going to go to one of the three-year-olds. And the one that really interests me here, surprise, surprise, that man again, David O'Mara. Golden Hind is the one that's interesting here. She's a, a Golden Horn half-sister to her amazing Maria. She's going to relish this step up to 10 furlongs. She's on a lenient mark. She was entered in the Musador until opting to run in that maiden at Ripon instead. Um, so I don't think she's... She's 4-1. to one. It's 6-1 to one here. So maybe, yeah, maybe she's yeah. worth a go at 6-1. to one. She's getting lots and lots of weight, and she's really unexposed. So she's going to be my pick. And uh, again, you've, you've basically t- taken the uh, the words right out of my mouth for her. She was going to be my pick as well. Like you said, just based on the fact she's off a very low weight here. She's only had the two runs. She had the musty door interest. They obviously think a fair bit of her. And like you say, she's related to me- horses like Amazing Maria, who's a Group 1 winner. And being by a golden horn, you'd think that she's relished the step up to 10 furlongs. And yeah, she's available between 130 to six to one. So uh, there's still a bit of variety in her price, and I think the six to one's more than fair. Tom, are you going to make it a clean sweep for Team David O'Meara and Golden Hyde? Uh, I'm not, and to be honest, I have absolutely no interest in this race whatsoever. Sorry, <laughs> no, no selection for me. I, I think it's I think it's a really bad turnout. The prize money on this race is actually quite decent for a class three. You're getting nearly 11 grand to the winner. Um, for a, what is it not 90 yeah I'm, I'm very disappointed with the turnout but I, I couldn't think of anything worse than having a bet if I'm being honest and on that note we're going to move on to uh, <laughs> any other business uh, and Tom you don't fancy a bet there is there anything else uh, on Saturday's cards that's piqued your interest or over uh, the weekend in general yeah not nothing on Saturday but there is one on Sunday but you are going to have to wait for final entries unfortunately I uh, set James a task of trying to find out if Hyperfocus was going to be running in the six furlong <laughs> handicap at York, and uh, unfortunately Not he's failed. <laughs> yeah, he's failed in his task. But uh, if if Hyperfocus does run, uh, I would be absolutely all over him like a rash. He's currently 25 to one. I, I'm half tempted to actually take the risk and just have a little small each way about anti post because I don't think he'll be 25 to one if he shows up. Um, the, the only concern is that David Allen is jocked up on both him and uh, Golden Apollo. But again, just to come back to the weather, I think you're going to have plenty of cut in the ground at York. Um, he's starting to look really well handicapped now. He's down to a mark of 91, um, which was his last winning mark. Uh, he's also £3 lower than when he was placed. He just got done in the shadows of the line uh, by that Gulliver. Was, that was painful for me. Yeah, it was. It was even more painful for me because I was stood next to that dickhead James who had backed Gulliver. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you, you look back at that. So, like I said, he's he's three pounds lower than that run. Um, so he does handle the uh, York. Uh, he does handle York quite well. He really should have won that race, in my opinion. But uh, it turns out that Gulliver off a hundred there was quite well handicapped because he went on to win his next start off a hundred and four. Uh, he's been placed in the uh, the Walkingham off 102. Uh, he was second in the uh, the Scurry last weekend at the Curra of 103. He's now rated 107. So 
he, he just bumped into a, seems weird to say a well handicapped horse off a mark of a hundred, doesn't it? But um, yeah, he, he's really yeah he, he himself is really well handicapped. He he has good course form. He he's going to love the ground. And uh, one thing that's really kind of catching my eye, he was actually entered initially at Ripon on Friday, and he's not running there. Now, given that he's he's a bit of a Ripon specialist, I think he's won twice and came second in his three starts at Ripon, or very similar to that. I think it's may, maybe a little bit telling that they've opted against a Class 3 for this Class 2 for him. Um, I, I think they must kind of fancy him to go very close in this Class 2 for the prize money rather than running in that ripping race. And uh, I also think that they probably want to win to uh, to get into the Great St. Wilfred rather than the Consolation race, which he just got chinned in by uh, Growl last year. So I think, uh, yeah, tra- trying to read between the lines of Tim Easterby is certainly one of life's more difficult tasks. But I, I think if he rocks up, he- there's absolutely no chance he's a 25-1 to shot. So just, just to clarify, which... Which race was that on Sunday? Uh, it's the Skybet Extended Dash Handicap, the six furlong. I'm not sure of the time because uh, stupidly I've not wrote it down and uh, my racing post is playing up. If you bear with me two seconds, I'll get it on my uh, mobile. Yeah, the 2.45 at York on Sunday. Sorry, my fat fingers clicked on a curl race. There we go. So that's one for you. James, is there any, any other business for you for the uh, for the weekend? Uh, 1.30 York on Saturday. I'm going to get my David O'Mara flag out and wave <laughs> it again because prompting wins by half the track. And then another horse I'm looking forward to, potentially on Sunday, although it's got an entry on Monday as well, is a two-year-old of Richard Farr. He's called Gumdrop. Um, this one ran in the novice race at York behind Muka uh, and I thought it was quite an encouraging debut, he was really poorly positioned that day and and I think ran a really nice race Richard Fahey's two year olds have been coming on a lot for the first run as well so I'm going to have my eye on where Gundrop is going next uh, he's in the 12.25 at York on Sunday and I think another race somewhere else on, on Monday they're my two okay isn't it, there isn't anything else for me at this stage, so uh, I won't waste anybody's time. Um, so we're going to move on then to the uh, the team Trixie, which hasn't gone too well so far, but it only needs to land once, um, <laughs> and hopefully that can be this weekend. Tom, we'll start with you. What what do you fancy putting up as your as your main bet of the of this? Uh, it's a tough choice between Orban and Great Ambassador, but I, th- I think I'm going to side with Great Ambassador. Great ambassador. Okay, James, what do you fancy on? What's your maybe your mate, your mate, your nap? Well, I was going to say Chalet because we all kind of liked him. If this is going to be an each way Trixie, we'll have Chalet, and if it's anywhere, we'll have have Chalet. If we're doing a York Trixie, I'll have prompting. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go for an each. We'll go each way when you want and find Chalet. I suppose Great Ambassador seven to one. Here, so yeah. So then that leaves me with a final leg to find. Um, ooh, so it's going to have to be one of the York races. But I suppose it's probably going to be... 
Alba's there each way, if we're going to go each way, just to just to cover us if uh, Orban lets us down. Hopefully Alba's here will be able to be the one that picks up the pieces. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, I thought you were going to go Golden Hind. <laughs> I was tempted. Yeah, it was between the two of them. I was only an hour. Anyway, um, well, thank you very much for your input, lads. Um, we've, I think we've put up some really good selections there and plenty of uh, interesting reasons behind them. Um, so thank you very much to everyone that's listened as well. Um, again, any any feedback would be greatly appreciated. We are trying to implement bits and bobs that people do feedback to us on, um, and it is, it is very helpful. And any any retweets or likes on Twitter or any ratings on Apple um, are also greatly appreciated. And until next time, good luck. Good night. Thank you.